Hello, hello. Welcome back into my closet. Welcome to the Centrish Kickers podcast. I am your basic podcast host. How's everybody doing? Uh, been a while, obviously, always is. So I hope everyone's doing well. And I suppose I've been feeling bad lately that in the last episode, I, I sort of just shrugged everything off as culture war nonsense for the most part. And really, if you look at the news as mostly that, which would be an understandable take, honestly, because most of what conservative news cultures <laughs> covers is culture wars. And I don't know what the, the left mainly seems to cover the right. It's really this weird circle jerk or a snake eating its own tail, if you want to be more PC about it or PG about it that the left always just seems to be outraged about whatever the right is doing, and the right's always outraged at the cultural left, and then nothing really gets paid attention to things you should pay attention about. So the culture war rages on in this big circular motion, and meanwhile, uh, other news flies under the radar. Wars, literal wars are forgotten about. People forget about Afghanistan, Iraq, based on culture war stuff, and we're doing the same thing with Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine in itself is a, some sort of weird culture war, uh, because if you don't support it, you're some sort of Trump apologist or totalitarian or soft on Putin because you're some, you know, you're a horrible gangster, whatever. And so every, everything gets wrapped up into this horrible dynamic, but it, it's not very difficult to break yourself out of it and get enraged by actual topics, real topics, topics like, um, the East Palestine railroad derailment, train derailment, and the you know toxification of an entire city, uh, screwing people over, and the lack of accountability for Northfolk was a Northfolk railroad. I think that's who it was. Uh, just all sorts of things. So in this episode, it's going to be pretty haphazard, uh, but I'm going to go through some things that I've been keeping track of over the past few weeks. Just stuff that I feel as centrist we should be breaking out because these are the things that bring that 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 cut through the culture war they cut the gordian knot of the culture war is when you bring these things to the dinner table and people think about it and despite what you feel about trans issues or pride month or you know or uh, black lives matter or <laughs> anything like that any race issues all, all the culture war nonsense for the most part which is it's sad that it seems to focus around just those few topics, but it really does these days. The The right is obsessed with the trans, trans rights stuff and, and pride and, you know, formerly BLM, but BLM's pretty defunct at this point and, and rightfully so, to be honest with you, just as an organization, not as a movement, but as an organization for sure. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so let's just, I'm just going to jump in. i these aren't in any particular order or timeline. I'm going to provide as many links as I possibly can. One I actually haven't looked up a link for. Um, let me just look it up right now while we're talking here. So first off, um, let's quote Pearl Buck. Our society must make it right and possible for old people not to fear the young or be deserted by them. For the test of a civilization is the way that it cares for its helpless members. Pearl Buck, she was a novelist. The reason I'm quoting her is the first thing I wanted to focus on was our deaths of despair. Something I think I've brought up a few times on this podcast, but 2,200 overdose deaths, specifically to opioids, but I mean, so you can add on a few more, I suppose, other kinds of other types of drug deaths. I'm sure they're, they're but opioids, opioids are the real killer right now, especially when they're combined with fentanyl. 
which, you know, I know the conservatives like to make a big deal out of, but people are literally dying on the streets all the time, especially in my home area around Seattle. It's bad. Um, you can hear cops talk about it. They get overdose calls, you know, every hour. And Narcan is a normal thing now on the streets in Seattle. It's just crazy because people are going to drop dead unless they get that Narcan shot to bring them back. The other one is obviously suicides, mainly by gun death. Now, granted, the left loves to freak out about AR-15s. Most gun violence is handgun violence. Something like 4,800, or four, excuse me, 48,000, 48,000 deaths a year. 20,000 of those plus, according to this Pew Research poll in 2022, 20,000 are murders. So that's just a lot of domestic violence, a lot of street violence, um, you know, obviously there's the crazed killers and stuff like that. And this is just gun violence, not not beatings to not beatings or stabbings or anything else. Just twenty thousand murders by gun. That's crazy. Unfortunately, the suicide numbers are much higher, and those are the ones I'm trying to focus on here. Uh, the violence overall is something that America should be concerned about, and especially as centrists, is crime. As much as we want to be compassionate towards people's upbringings and things like that, crime is something that should not be allowed to happen. You're, you're, anyways, I'm not going to go into a crime spiel right now. The death of despair. Focus, please. <laughs> uh, 26,000. 26,000 plus suicide by gun. Su that's just, once again, just by guns. Not cutting your wrists, not hanging yourself, not uh, self-asphyxiation. Um, Epstein didn't kill himself. Um, all of those things. 26,000 plus, plus up two and a half percent on the overdoses to 2,200. How, how, how is a society, are we not focusing more on this? Because uh, here I'm going to get, I'm going to be a little more partisan. The left, I'm just saying the left, not necessarily Democrats, because the party, see the partisan, <laughs> words in me are not friends right now. So good thing I'm a podcaster. The partisan angle on this is unnecessary. It's the ideological part that I'm focused on. Now you can go, well, the ideology you're about to blast is mainly on one part of one side of the aisle. I'll grant you that. But at the same time, there are other Democrats, let's just, you know, call it out, who can be harder on the drug war. I'm not pro drug war. I'm not. I mean, President Joe Biden was all about the drug war, you know, so the right who, you know, castigates him as being some wild leftist. That's not the case. He's not for prison abolition or police abolition. That's the far left to me. But they, they say, see any move towards drug regulation and or criminalizing drug use or open air drug use as, uh, you know, the carceral state, you know, wielding its heavy hand again. Uh, and I would agree with them that the drug war has not worked. It's been a waste of money. Uh, it's put, well, like anything, it puts money in specific pockets, uh, the for-profit prison industry and things like that. Uh, and it's really not helping anybody though, either the drug war. However, not having uh, rules around drugs doesn't help anybody either. And so when you see this constant uptick from 2021 to 2022, an increase in these deaths of despair via opioids, uh, opioids laced with fentanyl, you... What are we doing to negate the despair? The drug part, 
the drug part's always going to be there. People are going to want to experience other experiences. They're going to escape reality for a bit. That's just part of what it is. Whether you're cracking a beer to ease the pain of a working day or you're popping opioids or you're shooting heroin. Uh, these things to me are only difference of, <laughs> of degrees, really. That's it. They're not difference of kinds. That's all that is. Now, granted, clearly alcohol has destroyed plenty of lives too. It's legal and opioids will continue to kill people. It's not like people don't die of alcohol deaths either. It's not overdosing on alcohol, but the alcohol w destroys your body or they'll get into an, you know, more tragically and suddenly you might get into a you know, drunk driving accident and die. But more than likely, you damage your body to the point of you die young, die younger. And you also are a, <laughs> sounds so horrible, you're also a drain on the medical system because you fucked your body up so much that you require more help towards your end of days. Anyways, good lord. That was very uh, robotic. My point being, I'm just, just, these numbers boggle the mind. And we can't, from the left, we can't address the gun issue and granted, I think that's actually the harder issue. The left has the harder time here because they want to attack a gun issue and they make it all about AR-15s. No, folks, people aren't all committing suicide with AR-15s. All the street violence is not done with AR-15s. It's handguns. Suicides, mainly handguns or shotguns, maybe a rifle or two. That's not all AR-15s. AR-15s are the devil to the left. And they want all this gun legislation focused around one type of firearm. And I'm not a firearms guy. I'm sure someone out there is a gun person. They're already yelling, listening to this, going, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, air blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't care. I don't know. They just focus on that assault-style weapon, quote-unquote. And the right wants to focus on the drug war, which is a total failure and a total money drain. But it makes them feel good. It's, it's these feel-good things that the left and right do. But they're not attacking the despair. The despair is what's there. And you can add in some of those handgun violence, the street-level violence. You can add that, those to uh, deaths of despair, I think. Because there's a lot of anger. There's no way out of some of these inner cities. There's no way out of the honor culture that has been put there. So you can look at it from both the left and the right. The Glenn Lowry or the... Uh, look at it, like pull up your pants or the Brianna Joy Gray, where it's more of a societal issue and economics and hardships that these people are going through. And both are true. Both are true to a degree. And I don't know what the right mixture is to fix that, but you can also call that despair. So I'm not getting bogged down on this one topic. We're going to leave that there, but those are things we should be thinking about because these issues are going to continue to come up like abortion, like all the other cultural issues, there are the hard foundational parts of those things. Deaths of despair via gun deaths or opioid deaths. How does the left look at it? How does the right look at it? And how do you break, pardon me, break the wedges of those things to actually get to something we can use to solve? Now, what, am, what are my solutions? <laughs> well, I, I think just for most things that have we're entrenched in and these things are, are that, the gun issue and and uh, the drug war, we're so entrenched in the way things have been done. And as a centrist, that's, we're always the wedge that breaks the wedge issue, right? We're the wedge that, how many times can I repeat myself? Um, <laughs> so to break up that entrenchment, to drive a tank over those World War One trenches that we've made, you just got to burn it up, burn some of those policies down. The drug war must end. Um, and yeah, some legislation can go through for, for guns and that people just need to give up on that. Uh, what does that mean? Give up on guns, give up on what? Give up on, you need to give up 
just give up on the common sense legislation. I think a lot of gun owners are for those things. As a gun, over my, gun owner myself, I might want to buy an AR-15. Now, there's... <laughs> I'm just going to get on a tangent. Washington State just banned AR-15s. So you can't own one. I don't know how they're enforcing this. I haven't looked into it all. Maybe I should. Maybe I should post a link. <laughs> but it's just wild to me that you have states who are getting rid of specific guns thinking that's going to curb gun deaths. I guarantee the next time there's a school shooting, it might. they're not all with AR-15s. The Virginia Tech shooting is with two handguns. Okay? Yes, I know that AR-15s make it wildly easy to shoot and kill as many people as possible because it's such a high-powered weapon that's insanely accurate. So I understand the deadliness of the weapon. At that, at the same time, it's not necessarily a weapon for a weapon of war. All weapons are designed to kill. So, and I'm just going to go around in a circle on this. I don't have an issue on the gun debate. I my or I don't have a solution for the gun debate. Man, I'm all over the place. My apologies. I'm going to try to get on track here. Uh, I'm a Second Amendment proponent. I do believe in better legislation. I don't believe in attacking only the AR-15 because that's silly. And there are so many guns in America already. A buyback will never work. So it's time to start thinking outside of the box. What I mean by common sense gun legislation is True background checks, and frankly, holding people responsible who sell firearms to people who shouldn't have them. It's got to just be harder. That doesn't mean you never get a gun. It means it just gets harder. And once you have one, it needs to be registered. And if you want to sell it, I think that's where the state maybe could come in. You can only sell it back to the state, or you can only sell it back to a licensed firearm dealer. Now, granted, Maybe there's title transfers you could have, something like that. But once again, through these reputable dealers, I don't know. And maybe that's, like I said, I don't even know what's already on the books. There's it, All these things are so complicated, such a rabbit hole. Uh, you know, feel free to email me and tell me I'm an idiot. Uh, so like I said, as far as the drug war goes, it just needs to end. Uh, we need to let people out of prison because uh, we need to free up the money for non-violent drug offenders. And people need treatment. That's where we should be spending the money. Not on just locking them up. Uh, and, and good luck in prison with the cold turkey where they can find drugs anyways. And there's plenty of prisons in this country where there's, there's lots of drugs and weapons and, and uh, you know, essentially just a criminal factory in there. And so that the whole prison system needs to be reformed along with the drug war because the prison system is the, the barnacle on the drug war's battleship. And those are things that just need to be rethought. I mean, we need to approach the drug war as like, um, oh, I know that I know there's plenty of <laughs> it's not like I don't watch TV. OK, I've seen Breaking Bad and I've seen uh, Ozark. So I know that <laughs> I, I know because I watch some TV. I know that um, that there's criminals involved here, like hardened criminals who will wipe out families. They don't care because of the money that drugs produce. So. It's not like I'm saying there needs to be no police, no force involved here. But at the same time, how we approach the bottom level of the drug issue, the person on person on the street needs to be much more of fixing our society and not just locking up a problem we don't want to deal with. And I think that's been the issue with the drug war so far. So let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, 
one thing I don't have many links for, but it's just plain and obvious by anyone who looks, is Dianne Feinstein needs to quit. She's a senator from California. Uh, she recently missed out on like a couple months of being a senator in the federal government because of, what did they say, she fell or she was sick? She got sick with something. I don't think it was shingles. I don't know. But either way, she was so debilitated that, you know, she'd missed that much time. Even before that, people were wondering about her cognitive abilities, that they might be slipping. And then we've had sort of staff leaks around how she needs to be uh, escorted everywhere. She doesn't know where she is or what she's doing. She has the, like anyone who's suffering from dementia, they have those moments of clarity. Uh, but the fact that she won't resign in one of the most populous states in the union, California, and she's essentially just, you know, she hurts the Democratic Party. I'm sorry. Why do we have so many old people? Why are people so loyal to them in our government? When you are mentally incapacitated, you do not belong. And she should just be, I'm sorry. She should be drug out for her constituency. This sounds horrible. Drug out for her constituency and have a long-form conversation with her on the spot about anything. Just talk. See where she's at. See how comfortable people are. This, and that's a that's not a test. That's just a show. Go have a long-form interview with someone. I think every member of Congress, every member of the executive branch, should be able to carry that function out. Just have a long conversation. And if you, for some reason, forget where you are, what's going on, hey, time to hang them up. Retirement. You're done. Special election time. And that sounds... I want these, I, she should go be enjoying the rest of her life as much as she can enjoy it. There's no reason for her to hold on to power. She's being held there by someone else. Maybe her own ego somewhere deep down inside, but she's also being held there by the party. The political party needs her vote, wants her there, thinks she can be manipulated. And the idea that people need to make it about an ageist thing or a sexism thing is ridiculous because I don't care about either of those issues insofar as it applies to our elected representatives doing their job. If you can't do the job, you don't belong. Uh, that's just a basic one. I'm not going to have a link for that one, but, oh, maybe I will. Maybe I'll give you some breaking points on that one. Uh, okay, so we got a presidential election that's already brewing, <laughs> even though the election's not until next year in November. I love how long our election seasons are. Uh, I mean... These party primaries, I am an open primaries guy for the states. I feel like the party is getting to determine who their representatives are. And, and I get it. These, the primary is essentially a bunch of partisan hacks who come to vote for specific candidates because that's what they've been told to do. These are the reasons you get such piss poor options, let's say in Pennsylvania, like Fetterman and Oz. Fetterman might have been a decent candidate, but then he had a stroke, and he still can't talk. It's been over a year. Uh, yeah, close to a year, I think, since his stroke. He's not improving. Will he ever improve? Is his brain function there, but his just speech capacity is diminished? I don't know. And honestly, but even at that point, is he not allowed to serve? So that's this is the ableist question here. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm really thinking, I'm thinking about this in real time. 
I mean, granted, Oz was a shitty candidate, but he's because Trump endorsed him and Republicans are in Trump's pocket for the most part. He becomes your Republican sent, uh, Senate candidate for the Republican side. Uh, as far as Fetterman goes, he was running against someone else, someone who's a little more blue dog Democrat, I think. Fetterman is a little more further to the left. But yeah, this, this whole ableist question, I mean, it goes right back to the Dianne Feinstein part. There's incapacitated and in, in dropping into senility, which Feinstein clearly is. And then there's someone who suffered a, a stroke, but a stroke damages your brain. Now, granted, is it damaged to the point where maybe, you know, brain can be damaged in all sorts of different ways. I just don't know. I mean, it's it's certainly concerning when the guy, literally, he just, the other day, was up talking about some bridge that, he was there right with Biden, I can't remember the occasion, and he was not making any sense. None whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> completely incoherent speech. I'm going to have to see if I can find that because it was it was so cringe. And you could sort of see what he was trying to say. And the fact that he's able to get up there and do that. See, I don't see Feinstein doing that. Just saying. And as much as I think Biden is slipping, he still gets up and talks. But he's more mainly reading, doesn't answer questions. Once again, no long form interview with Biden. Um I just feel like I'm supposed to be focusing on the primary question. But yeah, open primaries. This is the reason we're getting shitty candidates. But I'm going to move straight into the the Democrats uh not hosting debates. And I got a there was this wild argument from uh a, a page I follow on Instagram where they were essentially arguing that it's totally cool and normal that Biden doesn't host the debate with these uh, DNC challengers because that's the way it's been done in the past. That was essentially their argument. That's it. Oh, these, these candidates didn't host debates. So now it's okay that Biden doesn't. No, I understand you think that's some sort of precedent, but precedent only matters in law. This isn't law. These are elections. Uh, we live in a democratic republic and democracy depends on us having as many choices as possible, not telling us <clears throat> what choices we have. And that's the issue I have. Essentially, we're saying, oh, I don't care if you want somebody else. Th these are their options. You're being given. You don't get to give me options. We decide who we want as leadership from whoever, from the entire population, not just the ones you present to us. So this idea that Biden is not going to host debates, is going to run and hide, is <clears throat> it shows the danger of the parties, why these parties can't be trusted, why they need to be broken up. I go, people go, well, we're just a two party country. Not necessarily. I, I'm not even sure I wouldn't like a parliamentary system, but certainly another party or at least a party parties. If you want to say we're two parties, fine. Wings of the party, segments of the party, understanding that the party fluctuates from far left to centrist, to far right, to whatever, that there's, there's variance in the middle and that some aspects of the party, you know what? I don't care if Biden doesn't want a challenger. You got two people running most, mostly RFK and uh, Marianne Williamson, who, you know, I've endorsed, <clears throat> which I need to talk to talk about anyways. Um, but th that these challengers are legit and they're getting enough support where they deserve a day in court and Biden needs to own up 
and put make himself vulnerable and defend his position, defend himself against these challengers. And if he puts them down, then okay, then I guess he's he's the rightful heir to the party <laughs> as the party's uh, leader. But that you don't just get anointed that by winning the presidency once. There's always going to be challengers. So I'm going to provide a link to that one. I'm just going to do rapid fire here, <laughs> get through some of these. I'm a little all over the map today, but I feel like I've needed to get some of this stuff off my chest for a while. Uh, one thing that, of course, the partisans in D.C. have completely uh, divided on is the Durham report. It, it's worthy of a look. It really is. It, the more and more I hear about it, it does sound as though the Democrats pretty much just created an investigation out of nothing. The, the media was on their side thinking that it was this big scandal because that's juicy. And in part, I don't blame the media. Um, the, the right will go as so far to say, you know, they're in collusion with the Democratic Party. And, and I'm sure in some instances that's accurate, but not every instance. When you get presented with a story where you don't have all the facts, but the story is pointing in the direction that a major presidential candidate is colluding with a foreign government to win elections, that's a huge story, and you got to follow it up. Now, granted, I think the seriousness of that investigation probably should have dried up within a few months. It should not have taken two years for legit journalists to realize that this is was a big nothing burger. The Mueller report showed that. The Mueller report showed, as to my knowledge, maybe I'm wrong, but the way I had read it and interpreted it was that it was close, like Trump was fooling around, but most of his talking with government was around personal issues and his own personal um, enrichment. He, yes, he did say <laughs> wild shit on the stump, saying that he wants the Hillary emails released. And I'm not saying there wasn't, but that's not collusion collusion. Like, I'm just, just saying a thing broadly, just because someone does it doesn't make it collusion, unfortunately, for the Democrats. That's not how that works. The whole meetings and stuff like that, you could chalk... Anyways, I'm going to... keep getting on tangents. The Mueller report only showed that Trump was... Like these whole, this whole document issue, was sort of a dick. They were like, hey, could you help us out with this investigation? It's going to happen anyways. Just just give us a hand. Uh, fuck you. I don't want to do that. And that was their level of... This is a guy who cannot be trusted, who is not transparent. But ultimately, we found nothing that shows he out-and-out out colluded with the Russian government. As much as it looks bad, there's nothing here for you to prosecute other than he's kind of an obstructionist. He's kind of a piece of shit, and he's not very cooperative. He's not, he's, he doesn't respect the institutions. Like, nobody respects the institutions these days, unfortunately. But Trump started it, and it's only spread. So, so the Durham report essentially is outing the Democrats that's saying, hey, you started this essentially over nothing. It looked, took two years. And and so are you not liable for any of the millions of dollars that was spent on this investigation? I mean, and anyways, so the Durham report, interesting. Obviously, um, I'm fading fast here, guys. I don't know what my problem is today. Uh, let's, let's just keep rolling through the last few things. I just need to get off my chest. <laughs> um. Oh, one. Uh, so Matt Taibbi, famous for many reasons, being one of the better journalists in America, but also the Twitter files. 
So apparently the IRS is like showing up at his door, like on holidays to like go after his financial situation. I don't know who that happens to. Why, why is the IRS showing up at any private citizen's house? Their door, literally showing up at their door. It's not like you sent an email or anything like that. You're showing up at their house. That's some insanity I don't understand. And to me, that's a weaponization of a, of a governmental body against a private citizen. It'd be one thing if you went after a massive corporation and you showed up in their offices because you need to seize documents. Now you could say, maybe that's what they're doing at Taibbi's house. That's not what this report says. They just showed up to ask him questions. They don't have, they didn't have a subpoena or anything like that where they need to get inside to get some sensitive documents that he might shred or burn later. And besides, he's not a multi-billion dollar mover. I mean, the guy might be a millionaire as far as I know. I have no idea. I'm sure he's doing pretty well, but he's not doing well enough to be like damaging international trade or some crazy shit like that, or avoiding so much taxes that the government needs to come down on him like a ton of bricks. Those are the things that just like, they, they pique your interest as far as like, well, whose weapon? I mean, cause he pissed off Stacy Plaskett or something in that interview or that other sea witch of a guy. I can't remember her name. She's essentially responsible for burner losing. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, speaking of Taibi, there was a, I, I can't remember if I brought this up in the last podcast or not. He did a debate with, um, God, I can, it's a monk debate and it's, he, he was sided with Douglas Murray and they, Malcolm Gladwell and another lady, they were discussing, um, mainstream media and classic media versus new independent rise, the rise of independent media, uh, Gladwell and the lady, Malcolm Gladwell and the lady were for the mainstream legacy media and Douglas Murray and Matt Taibbi obviously were in for, in favor of independent media. The reason I'm bringing this up is, I mean, I can media bash all day long. I mean, I just, the Durham report paints out how points that out. I mean, they're, they're constantly wrong about everything. COVID, uh, they talked us into the Iraq war. Uh, they have meaningless debates about the Ukraine war. I already said COVID on every front and including platforming Fauci over and over and over again without giving him critical questions. Diving deep immediately is what they should have been doing is the COVID origins, not just accepting that it came from a wet market because how do we know that? Um, anyways, there's just been a wild dereliction of duty from the mainstream media. Now, do they get things right? Do they have access? Do they have the financials to do real reporting, real hard reporting that independent media would struggle to do? Yes, but that's also what makes them dangerous because it's not an access game insofar as like we're buddy buddies with the Democrats or Republicans, depending on the news outlet. You're supposed to be holding these people to account. And the fact that you have the power and influence to do so and don't means essentially kind of to me that you're bought and sold in some way. So who's bought and sold? I mean, the parties, I don't think, have enough clout to do that. I think these people just want to be part of the power process. They want to be part. And by that, I mean, these news agents. Is that what I said? <laughs> Good Lord. These news agencies want to be part of the power process. And so that's why they're, they're you know, they love rubbing shoulders with elected leaders. And they're willing to just be sycophantic to them and 
and essentially toe whatever party line or narrative line they're given because they, how could it be wrong? Or if it, even if it is wrong, at least I'm in the right company or we can make it right. I just feel like there's much more of that in our mainstream media these days than legit journalism, at least, at least on the surface. I don't know what goes on underneath the surface. I would like to think there's real journalists trying to break stories, but I just, you know, I'm not seeing it. And I'm glad some of these other personalities are kind of going to the wayside. Tucker's gone now, which I hadn't talked about before. He's off Fox. Uh, now he's got his Twitter thing. Don Lemon's gone. I mean, there's a few of the faces that are left, but mainstream media is really, it's, this heyday is gone. I think they really are pushing for this Trump thing. They're, they're loving the Trump, the Trump indictments and stuff like that. That's giving them a, a shot in the arm. But if you're tied to one figure, I mean, I can't imagine a boring president stepping into office again. And I almost don't want Biden to win because Biden is going to be another nothing burger of a president. Um, they're not going to get, they're not going to, he's not going to give them the juice they need to survive. Uh, so anyways, our media sucks. Uh, I would definitely lean towards independent sources. Obviously you can't completely rule out the mainstream media. Cause like I said, they have the staying power, at least for now. And, you know, they have the infrastructure and the money to do to do what needs to be done. And they're going to put stories out there and and they do have they do, at least in some part, make a difference in, in the positive. But I don't know how much longer that's going to last. So I, don't, I was trying to stay away from cultural issues, but there are legit trans bills that are for the negative on both sides of the aisle here, mainly negative towards trans folks in the LGBTQ community. Um, and really targeting adults. Now, as far as when it comes to schools, I think you know how I feel about that. I don't think any of the trans ideology or having any talk about outside of how you produce another human being sexually needs to be taught in schools. Uh, STDs. Okay, sure. Um, but that's really, you don't need to explain every way you can get an STD. It's mainly just, here's how you test. Here's what you could look for, for STDs, your own personal health. Uh, understanding your your cycle, understanding just how your body works to a degree, but not what, you know, all the aspects of oral sex, gay sex, even all heterosex. Sex should be discovered. If you know what you like and you find someone who wants to do those things with you, well, you know, go explore and have a good time. Uh, I'm not a prude about it, but you should, our education system, which is a commons area, should be boiled down to the basics of the basics. And by the way, I think it would be much more beneficial for people in the LGBT rainbow community to, to learn about civics, to learn how the government actually functions so they could uh, overthrow and overturn some of this legislation that's being passed, where supposedly, like I haven't gotten into all the laws, obviously, because there's hundreds, hundreds around the country being passed. Uh, that affect people. Now, some are going the other way, California, uh, like trying to essentially say you can move there, that they will side with the parent who's gender affirming over the one who's not. Um, now, granted, not gender affirming. I get it, it can be harmful, but let's not pretend that kids know. Anyways, it's just such a fucked issue. I'm so, <laughs> I hate it so much. But there's, I think, the DeSantis thing where he did the parental rights and education commonly known as the don't say gay bill i was on board with that because i just think to style back in the educational areas you want to have drag queen story hour 
at someone's house or a park or something where you can just do it, that's fine. It doesn't need to happen in an assembly at a school. Nope, doesn't need to happen there. Sorry. Um, you're not getting everyone to sign off on that. And it's just, and why? Have us read the story. The f- story should be the focus, not the strange person reading it. Now, granted, you can say a clown's a strange person. You can have the grimace from McDonald's show up and read a story. That could be strange too. Don't distract from the actual story. You should be teaching them those things. Anyways, just teach the basics, people. It's really not that hard. The fact that you're going after kids with your ideology or your lifestyle or your sexual preference is like, who cares what your sexual pre- I don't care if my art teacher was a big rug muncher. It didn't interest me. I wanted to know how to work the, the, <laughs> the, um, kiln i want to know how to make my claymation art in my art class i want to know about the color spectrum and shit like that i didn't care that she was a lesbian it did just like and what uh, anyways so yes the, the laws are going both ways mainly attacking trans is it a trans genocide no the hyperbole around this stuff is off the chain off the wall craziness um so but I don't believe in these states. Granted, I'm a states' rights guy, but I think there's plenty of them are probably taking it too far and not allowing people to dress a certain way in public. That to me is like, get out of here. If I want to wear a dress and lipstick and if that's my lifestyle, that's what makes me feel good and to walk around and just be accepted for that. You don't have to accept me in your heart, but you can just like acknowledge what I'm doing and walk past. Like I just, this idea that we need to fight about everything all the time is really blowing my mind. And you got to take that fight all the way to your state capital and try to force someone to wear clothes that you think are okay. I mean, there's a public indecency aspect to it, I guess. If you're walking around in a G string all the time in the office or just at the mall and your junk is hanging out and your boobs are hanging, I don't know. It's just like, I understand that part is like, we don't, there's a place and time to appreciate the human form. If you want to go to a ballet or dance, or you want to see some nude art, those are things where, yes, you can appreciate the human body, but it doesn't need to be done on a Thursday afternoon at the water park down by the library. That's not something that needs to happen. So, and if you do feel that it does, maybe you're just an exhibitionist of some kind. And I don't, you know, that's not always okay for society. And you should expect some, repercussions for that because just because you think it's okay doesn't mean everyone else has to get on board with it then again if someone is that way some understanding needs to be given to them and you don't just pass laws to make force them to wear a certain thing that's just are we all going to be in the uh the handmaid's tale the women all have to be wearing the red dresses and the men in suits and shit like that i mean is that where we're like going with some of this stuff that's really where the daily wire wanted us to go they really are like 13th century Catholic conservatives. I mean, it's like, it's wild how far they want to take that stuff. One of the reasons I couldn't continue to patronize them. Um, still interested in JP, Professor Peterson, for those who give a shit. But yeah, some of the others, I was like, nah, these guys are getting a little too far here. Uh, here's just a wild one off the wall. Close the carried interest loophole. Uh, pay attention to all our bank mergers that are going through. I'm going to have one for that. Oh, by the way, another bridge collapse. There's a train derailment in Yellowstone. Our, our infrastructure to this country is a joke and continues to fall apart. Meanwhile, corporations make all the profit in the world. <laughs> we don't tax them for shit. We don't uh, tax the rich well enough to pay for this infrastructure that needs to be fixed. 
Oh, and maybe there's aliens. Speaking of, <laughs> I'm just going to leave that one there. Speaking of uh, the rich, I found this just the most un-American thing I've heard in quite a while. So George Soros is giving all his son, giving all his son, good Lord. I'm sorry, folks. This has been a rough episode, but I'm going to provide a lot of links. So that's the, that's the, uh, <laughs> that's the silver lining in this crap episode here is that the links will be put out there and anything I didn't provide a link for, it should be easy enough to Google like this last one, George Soros leaving his wealth to his son, Alex. Alex has already had meetings with prime minister, Justin Trudeau, vice president, Harris, Bill Gates, and more and more and more because he says he's political. He's even more political than his father, if that's to be believed. The idea that a man can just get a bunch of money and immediately have access to the higher ups in either political party and straight to the top in the in, in Canadian government. Deeply concerning. The idea that you can be a president's son and a foreign power company, Burisma, can call you and want you on their board of directors for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or that you can commit tax fraud willingly and get some rich person to pay it off for you and then get a slap on the wrist and no prison time. That's the two-tiered system of justice. It's not Democrats versus Republicans. It's the power and the unempowered. I'm linking the Soros kid in with the Bidens, but it's that level of influence and favoritism that, oh, you got money? You got influence? You got power? Here's all these opportunities. That's where this idea, I mean, I'm a firm believer in the meritocracy. I think it's a real thing, but it has to be allowed to be a real thing. It can't be buried by this nepotism. It can't be smothered out and in, in, in the crib with essentially these royalists. <laughs> I mean, is there any other way to say it? These people, they are the royalty. They do run this country. They don't abide by the laws that even they pass. They don't need to. And as much as we try to fight about it and, and, and tear them down, maybe Trump will, but that's because Trump has pissed off so many elites. They, there's so many of them that want to see him in prison. But if any of us, I mean, Brisma didn't call me. Why? I know about as much about energy <laughs> as, as Hunter Biden did. Why didn't they give me a call? You know why. Everyone knows why they didn't call me or you or anyone, you know, and that enough is to, should be enough <clears throat> to piss people off, to recognize that this things need to change. The power needs to be upset. It needs to be leveled out. It needs to be handed back to the people and those in power need to be held account when they fuck up. Trump, Hunter Biden, Pelosi included. I mean, there's more, I mean, I could just go on and on. There's so many things we should be focused on that are real. But that's the thing is it is about the power. It is about the corruption. Those are the things we should be focused on. If you're focused on a pride parade where someone was riding naked on a bike, you're distracted. You're distracted. That shouldn't suck up any of your real time. Like granted, you might have an opinion on it. You might need to talk about it. You might think it's stupid, but you don't need to be there. You don't need to take your kids to it. But these people who are controlling our lives, 
who are sapping the wealth of this country, spending it everywhere else, spending it on militarism, passing laws that only bolster corporate influence, corporate profits. Those are the things we should be focused on. I'd like to think I touched on some of them in this weird diatribe. I'm sorry, I'm just not into it today. Maybe I could have picked a better day to do this, but I just I had to get this off my chest today. These things have been bubbling. And really, I want to try to focus more on stuff like this during this podcast. Um, yeah. Well, and, you know, I think the email's on there. I keep saying that. No one emails me. I don't blame you. I don't seem very interesting to talk to, but Centrist got to stick together. I'd love to talk about something. Give me a topic, but the news is always out there. I'm going to continue to try to focus more on these things and less of the cultural stuff. Unless something so wild happens that it just needs to be commented on. I mean, obviously, I can't help but comment on it. It's in the news. I will say something. You will you will be able to glean my opinion from my attitude and um, about certain topics. But anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm now going to leave the closet. If you got to go, go with a smile. Love y'all.